Yeah. Some of you are probably thinking, I know why you're grinning. You're a preacher and you're getting ready to preach about tithes. <laughs> and I've heard people over the last uh, week or two refer to, oh yeah, the annual uh, teaching on giving. Actually, it's been two years. And as I look back over, it, uh, it's probably average more like once every three years. It just feels like annual to a lot of you. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm smiling because I, 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 love, I love this. I love you guys. I, I, whatever. I, I love to bring the word of the Lord. It's, a, it's an honor. It's an honor and it's a privilege. And, and you realize, you know, if people take it into their lives, it's life to those who find it. Really is. Regardless whether we're teaching on giving with servanthood, Holy Spirit, healing, whatever it is. That we're teaching on it's the word of God and it's uh, it's life uh, Cheyenne wanted me to uh, thank everyone who helped Radix with their fundraiser last uh, last week they uh, they were raising money for the retreat that they're getting ready to go on and some of you bought a few hamburgers or a few hot dogs and uh, and they did very well and he wanted me to, uh, to, to let you know that they appreciate that I want to remind you that this coming week, in fact, it's this week because this is the first day of the week, uh, is the last opportunity to see Cinderella, and it's a really good show. And based on, uh, based on the, the crowds so far, you might actually want to get your ticket ahead of time uh, on this one. Uh, it's not too often that we totally sell out, but we, it has happened before, and it, it, could, it could happen on this one as well. And then uh, also I want to remind you that this Wednesday new classes start uh, and there's a bunch of really good ones. Is that in the bulletin? Are the classes in the bulletin? I, 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 should nor I normally get a bulletin online. I didn't get one this week. I'm not sure why. But uh, there's some really good ones and I, I don't know. I don't think our Scott, Scott and Jerry aren't cooking this, this, this time, right? Yeah, well... There'll be plenty of stuff cooking anyway, and you, uh, you should get involved with them. Uh, yes, this is week two of, uh, of our series on God and money. Would you stand with me and let's read what should be a fairly familiar passage of Scripture together. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Oh, praise God for that. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you ask me, but you ask, yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation because you are robbing me bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house test me in this says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop the fruit before it's ripe says the Lord Almighty then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the truth and the power of your word. And I thank you, Lord God, for the presence of the Holy Spirit. May our hearts be made soft. May we be open uh, to changes that may need to happen in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week, we looked at the ramifications of the fact that everything belongs to God. And if everything belongs to God, then what do I own? Nothing and everything, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, if you think, well, I own some stuff, then tell me, what do you get to keep? And if you don't get to keep it, how can you say you own it? I mean, do you get to keep your car? I, I, I've heard of people being buried in their car. I, I, don't, I haven't heard of any of them starting one up after 
after they went on to the other side. You get, you get to keep your house. You get to keep your land. Do you get to keep your body? We don't own anything. But if we have him, then everything is ours. We, Paul says everything is yours. When you, when you have Christ, it's all yours. You don't, have to, uh, you don't have to be concerned about the fact that you don't own anything because you have, you have everything. So if I belong to him, then what I have has been entrusted to me and I am a steward. Uh, we looked at the parable last week about the uh, unfaithful manager and uh, brought up the fact that, you know, some people are diggers, some people are beggars, and others are stewards. And apparently that, uh, it wasn't original with me. I, I think James Ryle was the one who came up with it. I know he taught it here uh, several years ago. But apparently that impacted several people who began to wonder about, well, you know, maybe I am a digger. I hadn't any of none of them came up to me and said, "You know what? That that opened my eyes. I'm a beggar." Uh, no, nobody actually hit me with that, but I had several. You know, the, the digger thing. I think I actually got to them. But um, to be a steward, to be a manager, that that's the option. That's the one. That's the one that we want to go for. And and if I am a steward, then that means two things. I'm responsible for keeping track of what is his. Balance his checkbook, people. Keep up with his credit card. People, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for, uh, for keeping track of what is his, and I'm also responsible for knowing what he wants me to do with what he has given me. And so that brings us to the tithe. The first meeting that I had with uh, the board when I came to this church, I insisted that we tithe to missions. And at the time... We had three missionaries that we were supporting, and we were sending them 25 bucks a month, and that was $75. And while we didn't have a whole lot of money coming in, we did have more than $750 a month coming in. I have to say that. In fact, most weeks we did a little better than that. And uh, so I said, you know, I really believe that as a church, we're supposed to tithe and, and send out 10% at least of what comes in to ministries outside of us. And one of the guys who was on the board agreed with me completely, except he thought we ought to tithe to ourselves. He said, yeah, we're, we're uh, I'm not sure exactly what his, his rationale was, but he just kept saying, yep, I agree, we should tithe. We, should, we need to tithe to us. And I'm going, now I know, I know why, what he was thinking. He was thinking, we're having trouble keeping the, the lights on here at this place. And he actually was one of the best givers in the church. He had a good job. He was a truck driver. And so he had, he had a decent job. And he, he was one of the ones that was having to chip in a little extra every now and then to keep the lights on. And he was afraid, you know, if we start sending out money, more money to other pe places, other people, what's going to become of us? What's going to happen to us? But anyway, since he agreed with me, we went ahead and took a vote and did it anyway. And I promise you, I, I believe with all of my heart, if we had not started doing that right then, we wouldn't be here today. I mean, I'd, I, I don't think I'd be here. This church wouldn't be here. Uh, we wouldn't be sitting in this room talking about this because th that's, that's the way it works. You, my dad used to say, you can't outgive God, and it's absolutely true. Anytime you sow into the kingdom of God... It, that's not, that's never money wasted. So, why does God require a tithe? My grandfather was Joseph Meek, and that's a picture of him. He's a handsome dude, isn't he? It's in the jeans. It just kind of goes down through the family. <laughs> Actually, that's the only picture I've ever seen of him, and I never knew him. Uh, he died, I believe it was 1920. Uh, my dad used to say it was when he was three, but it was when he was four. 1920 and the, the, the influenza pandemic that spread the throughout the country at that time. Uh, and he was a sharecropper, just like the Israelites were before him, all of them. See, God made it very clear to them that they were sharecroppers. 
for him because he's the one who owned the land. And if you don't know what a sharecropper is, a sharecropper is a farmer who doesn't own a farm and doesn't rent a farm. And he would, he would, uh, he would farm the land, and then every year a portion of what he got would go back to the owner, and it was more than 10%. In fact, it was usually in those days, I don't know what his contracts were, but in those days it was, it was usually 50% that went back to the owner of the land that he husbanded. My grandfather Meek would not uh, have to ask the question, why does God require a tithe? Because it was part of his life. He understood completely the situation of somebody else owning and him being the manager. Now, does God need the money? No. The tithe exists as a baseline to do two things. First of all, to test our stewardship. If you remember last week, Jesus said, whoever proves faithful in a little will be given more. And if you aren't faithful with stuff, who's going to give you true riches, the things that you own? So this is, this is an opportunity. This is a test. Uh, whenever you were in school, you remember those things, right? Tests that, that, that people would give. I don't know if they do that anymore. Actually, they, they do that, but it's a whole different thing now. Uh, but back, back, in, back in my day, when I was in school, you know, you had to pass those things to, to graduate. <laughs> and, uh, and, if you, and if you didn't pass it, it wasn't the teacher's fault. Anyway, I'm, I digress. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, when, when you, uh, if, you knew, if you knew your stuff, if you had studied, if you knew what was going on, test day was actually fun. I, I thought. And I, I'm apparently the only one in this room who, who thought that. But test day was actually fun because you knew, you knew what was going on and you didn't have to sit and listen to a class or anything like that. You just took the test and handed it in. You got this you know, great grade handed back to you, and yes, I'm going to be in the third grade next year. You know, I, I passed. That was great. It's the same thing here. I mean, the, the tests are real simple, but they are opportunities for advancement in the kingdom of God, and, and that's, that's what the tithe is. It's, it's an opportunity. That's not the only reason. The other reason that he gives it, and, and we'll talk more about this next week, is to guard us against the love of money. You know, if there's a baseline there whereby we can go, okay, I love God more than I love, I don't have a wallet, but more, more than what's in my wallet, if there's a baseline by which we can do that, it's a, it's a protection because the love of money is a very dangerous thing. Very dangerous. We'll talk about that next week. Well, what, what is a tithe? Most of you know what it is. A tithe is 10%. 10% of what? Of material increase. Uh, I sometimes hear people speak of tithing their time or tithing something else, and that's, that's, a, that's a valid personal decision. Now, you, I do want to throw out a little caveat there. You know, if you feel like God has told you to tithe your time, so you're taking 2.4 hours a day and devoting it to the Lord, uh, that's kind of dangerous. And one, one, one thing you have to be careful of is you then don't want to think, well, the other 21.6 hours I can do whatever I want to with because it's mine. Now, when it comes to your time, God doesn't want 10%. He wants all of it. Yeah, exactly right. So, so 24-7. There's more what he wants there. But, you know, if you've got a, a personal conviction that God wants me to specifically, I don't know, read the Word or serve somebody or uh, listen to worship music, I don't know, whatever, for, for 2.4 hours a day, then that's, that's a personal conviction and go for it. I mean, seriously, uh, you should go for it. But in Scripture, the tithe always involved material things. Uh, Malachi 3.10 that we just read, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Food is a material thing. Food is, is something that, you know, food is not metaphorical. You know, it's, it's not, well, there can be metaphorical food, but it's not very filling when, you, when, when you're doing that. You know, you don't, uh, uh, well, I'm not, 
not going to give any silly examples, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, now, and, and in my dad's day, this was oftentimes a very literal thing. Yeah, I remember you know, people bringing a chicken or, or um, uh, a ham or something like that to, uh, uh, to the house of the Lord because they didn't have money, but they had, had these other things. And so they brought them. And then over in Genesis uh, 14.20, which is the first time that we hear about the tithe, Abraham met Melchizedek after he had gone and, and fought the kings, and uh, Melchizedek came out and blessed him. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later. But uh, it says, then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. And it's talking about the spoils of battle, the things that he had, the things that he had taken. And there's an interesting little twist to this story because Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem, the king of peace and a priest of God most high, who came, was not the only king to come out and meet Abraham when Abraham came back. There was also the king of Sodom. And Sodom doesn't necessarily represent a good place. And the king of Sodom came out to him and said, you can keep everything. Just give me the people. And what he was literally saying is, you keep the stuff. See, under my rules, you get to keep all the stuff I just get the souls. Melchizedek didn't ask for the souls. He got tithed to. And so that's the way it kind of is in the world because the world will tell you, uh, you know, oh, you, you, don't, you don't need to give anything to the Lord. You don't need to give it. It's yours. You deserve. You, you know, probably the two most enslaving words in the English language are you deserve. They'll get you. I mean, they'll make you broke. They'll make you fat. They'll make you sick. They'll, they'll absolutely enslave you with the, with the you deserve. Uh, but the world will say, no, you don't have to do that. Uh, boy, God is sure a tough God. He's requiring all this stuff from you. It's just stuff. You know, when somebody, if, some, if you get a call and somebody in, in your family has been in a, in a serious accident, your first question isn't, what, is the car okay? Your, your first question is, are they okay? It's not about the stuff. Stuff is just stuff. It's about the, it's about the soul. It's about the lives. Anyway, this, this uh, when Abraham did this it was the first mention of tithes and like i said i'm going to come back to that here in a few minutes there's another mention of it uh over in genesis uh 28 when jacob you know when when jacob uh slept on a stone had a pillar uh, a pillow uh, for a stone and he had a dream of the stairway into heaven and the angels of god ascending and descending on it and he realized he was in the house of the lord and he got up and he made a pledge to god and he said of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. What a deal! I mean, when you really think about it, and I'm not talking about, you know, it's a better deal than being a sharecropper or a better deal than, you know, some other religions in terms of how much money that you have to give or that you're supposed to give. But of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. That's what he says. You know, if I were to come up to you and say, hey, I will give you $10,000, but you've got to give me 1000 of it back, how much brain power, calculation power does it take to go, no, I don't want to do that. I've got to give 1000 back to you. Negative brain power. It's what it takes to do that. Positive brain power would say, yeah. In fact, if any of you would like to do that to me, I, any amount, you know, give me 10, I'll give you one back at a heartbeat. Give me 100, I'll give you 10 back at a heartbeat. And if we, under, if we truly understand that everything we have comes from him, then this is really all we're doing. Same book. Daddy, will you give me some money so I can buy you a present? You know, and maybe get me some candy while I'm doing it. Where is the tithe to be given? 
At times I hear someone say, I hear people say, you know, they give their tithes to the poor, and I won't argue with that. I mean, you know, look, I'm not a a hardliner in terms of of tithes. I believe in it. But I'm not a hardliner. You know, if somebody goes, oh, I just just don't see it, don't believe in it, well, you know, you might still be saved. I still love you, still care about you. You just wrong yeah you're right down to it but uh some at times i hear people say well i, I give my tithe to the poor and you know at times i it, it, i often hear echoed in the back of my mind yeah i think we'll tie to ourselves uh because i think that may be some of what's going on but at the same time it's not for me to judge maybe they do maybe they and i'm not saying that god doesn't like that that's not the pattern of scripture though uh, the tithes were actually used for four things in the scripture, for four different things. Uh, they were used to support those in full time ministry. And <clears throat> being someone who's in full time ministry, you know, it's kind of, uh, I, I will have to say that I'm embarrassed sometimes by the lifestyles of some who are in full time ministry. So let, let me just say that. But that's between them and God. You know, and in my dad's day, uh, the attitude was, God, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. And my dad was okay with that, and, and he went with that. I don't believe in that either, because I think that's wrong. You know, for, for myself, I feel like there's a, there's a middle ground that's supposed to be there. But uh, the, the tithes were used to support those in full-time ministry. In, un, under the law of Moses, that would have been the, the, the priesthood of Aaron, and it would have been the Levites and those who, who worked at the house of the Lord. Uh, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 takes that over and applies it to uh, New Testament uh, people in full-time ministry. So, it, you know, it's a biblical thing. It's legitimate. Oh, all of these things popped up. I didn't know they were supposed to do that yet. Well, okay, I'll, we've blown the surprise. All right, uh, upkeep on the Lord's house. Uh, that was part of what was done. You know, occasionally the carpets wear out. Occasionally uh, a light bulb has to be changed. Occasionally you need a fresh coat of paint on something. So that's part of it as well and to help the poor that was that was part of the charge for what the tithes were to be were to be used for and I and and the fourth one in a lot of ways is my favorite some of it was just used to burn before the Lord and one of the reasons this is my favorite is because it just it just rubs us so the wrong way and makes it cuts against the flesh it cuts against the material in such a way but some of it god said hey put it on the altar set it on fire and watch it burn just because i want to smell it it'll be pleasing to me and that's legitimate because he is worthy because I woke up this morning to fresh mercies and steadfast love. Because he sacrificed himself for us. It is absolutely legitimate to go. And applying this to, uh, and, and applying, you know, bringing this into modern day stuff, bringing this into, into, our, into our era. Uh, you know, I... I kind of hard to to say exactly what the analogy is but for me it's kind of it's got to do with some of the accoutrements you know of what's around here uh you don't have to have air conditioning to have church i grew up without it Actually, you don't have to have indoor bathrooms to have church, quite frankly. And, and you really don't even have to have a building to have church. You get right down to it. And, and it runs the entire gamut, the way people feel about it. I mean, you've got cathedrals, and you've got opulent stuff, and you've got a meeting under a tree, and everything, everything in between. And, and there's, different, there's different sensibilities there, and there's different reasons why people do things. You know, I don't know that we necessarily put air conditioning in our buildings as a sacrifice to God. I think we put it in our buildings because we like it. Okay. But that's okay. You know, uh, beautiful 
beautiful paintings, beautiful buildings, beautiful architecture. There, there definitely are times when those were, were absolutely constructed as a gift and a sacrifice unto God. Yeah. But, and they don't, the only thing they do is make the world more beautiful. The only thing they do is they serve no functional purpose whatsoever other than to bring beauty and joy in our lives. And, and, there, and there was a period in my life where I kind of thought, man, that is a waste of money. But I don't feel that way anymore. Now, I feel like some of it, there, there's, there's, a, there's a line for me where if it crossed over, I'd go, no, that's just too much. Uh, but I can't judge where somebody else draws that line. I only know where it is for me. But, there, but I do realize that, up, that there are places, you know, where it's just right to go, you know what, this isn't going to feed anybody. This isn't going to uh, make anybody's house warm for the winter, you know, unless we take it out and burn it in their house or something. But this is just for the glory of God. And, that, and that's a component of worship. And, it's a compo- and tithing is worship. So it's, it's a component of that that's legitimate. Now, often Malachi 3 is quoted regarding the storehouse. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, and, and it's gone, okay, so the church is the storehouse. And to be very honest with you, I, I, I can't absolutely teach, hey, this is a storehouse. You've got to bring it here. But the pattern is there. I mean, we do all of these things. Uh, you know, we support those in full-time ministry. We do upkeep the house where the body of Christ meets. We do help the poor. And we do do some things that are just there because God's worthy. Yeah, you know, we, we do all of these things. And if this is, you know, if this is where, if this is where you come to church... It's just always been my personal conviction that that's, that that's where you tithe, and that's, and that's what I've done uh, all my life. Now, when it comes to offerings, I've got options. I can go other places. We'll go, we'll go there in, in a few minutes. And, uh, and let me just say one other thing. You need to give to leadership that you trust, and what you do, your duty's discharged. You know, if you go someplace and you're going, man, I don't, I don't know about what they're doing with the money here. Well, you either need to get over it or you need to go somewhere else. Uh, seriously, and I'm not, not being hard. I'm not trying to be hard there. I'm trying to just be uh, honest about it. Uh, making decisions about what to do with money is not... Uh, it's not a science. It's, it's, it's an art, and it's a seeking God thing. And you know what? Sometimes you make mistakes. Sometimes a, a, a group of people with hearts just as honest as they possibly can be and as sincere before the Lord as they can possibly be get together, and they make a decision, and they spend a bunch of money, and it was the wrong decision. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means they made a, a, a wrong decision. You ever, done, you ever done one of those? Ever been involved in one of those? Are you still listening to anything that I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Know the hearts of the people that, uh, where, where you're going. And if you trust those hearts, once you've given, your, duty, you've, your duty's discharged unless the Lord has, has assigned you to be one of, the, one of the people who makes those decisions. Your duty's discharged. You, hey, you, I put it on the altar, it burned up, God smelled it, that's good. Now, on the other hand, if you go somewhere and you know, and you've just got this feeling in your heart that, man, this is, something's not right here, you know, then that's up to you. Yeah. But one, once again, you either, you either have to get past that, or you need to go somewhere where, you're, where you do feel right about it. Because this, this should be a free thing. This shouldn't be something that's done under compulsion. Now, a couple of quick uh, frequently asked questions that I get asked about tithing. Should I give in secret? Uh, should I, do I, do I give by check where people can see how much I've given? Do I put it in those little envelopes and put my name on it or whatever? And oftentimes they're referencing back to Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing 
so that your giving may be in secret. Well, you know, how you handle your money may only, is only technically about the hand. It's really about, it's really about the heart. You get right down to it. And, and this passage doesn't prohibit public giving. It warns against giving to be seen by others so that others will go, wow, that, that's, boy, that was impressive. Really think that's a, and only you know why you, only you know why you give. If somebody puts a big check in the plate and uh, expects to get a call from me, you need to know a couple of things. First of all, you need to know that I, I really only find out about that stuff. I'll, I'll look three or four times a year maybe at, at the giving list, and I do that really to see what, uh, just because a shepherd checks on the condition of his flocks. You know, maybe somebody who's, who's been faithful and regular here, uh, they're going through a hard time, and you, you can see that. You know, or, or they're going through a, I'm about to leave here time, and you can see that. Or uh, sometimes I, I come to, to know new people because I go, oh, well, they're obviously, in, they obviously are enfranchised here. They obviously feel like this is their place. Uh, you know, I, I, need to, I need to get to know them. Uh, you know, and I, and I don't ever really look at it to go, boy, they ought to be. They make more money than that. You know, now that, that's not, that's not, you know, that's a trap. Preacher gets in that trap. He's in big trouble. So I, I try to stay out of that trap. But uh, so what I'm saying is if you put in a big check wanting me, thinking that you might get a call from me, it might be several months before you, before you get one uh, because I just might not know about it. But if you put it in to get a call from me, you put it in for the wrong reason anyway. You put it in because that's what God's laid on your heart to do. Because yeah. that, that, that's a public thing as well. And it's, you know, some people, some people when, we, when we do the dollars for the poor, kind of go, oh, and I, and I, you know, that's, that's public. That's making a show. You know, I don't want to. If, if you think walking down front to put a dollar in a basket is making a show uh, to impress people, I would have to think you're, you're weird. <laughs> it's a dollar, people. The reason why we do a dollar is because everybody can do that. You know? And if you can't do it, nudge the person next to you and go, hey, hi there. Can I have a dollar? <laughs> Sometimes people go, well, you know, should I... Uh, you know, should I do this? Should I take IRS deductions and everything? I do that because I think it's good stewardship. You know, I, I just, I feel like I'd rather take it. And you know what? I tithe, on my, I tithe on my tax return too. And you go, well, you've already tithed on that money. Yeah, I know, but it's just fun to do it again. You know, when it, when it comes back in again, that's, that's just me. I'm not saying that others have to do that, but that's, that's, what, that's what we've always done. I feel like it's good stewardship. Now, if you've got a personal conviction about public giving that's a different matter that's a whole different matter it's a personal conviction you know so if you just want to give cash and no names and nobody knows anything then that's that's totally between you and god but understand it's between you and god there are times when public giving is approved biblically to encourage others david when when he uh got ready when they were getting ready to build the temple he uh he announced what he was giving and he challenged those around him, he said, this is what I'm giving, what are you going to do? Uh, and so that was, that was David. And then also uh, when, when Zacchaeus, when Zacchaeus, when the Lord came to Zacchaeus' house and uh, went and had, had dinner with him and, and Zacchaeus got saved, Zacchaeus said, Lord, if, I have any, if I've robbed anybody, if I've taken anything from the poor, I will pay back double right now. And the Lord said, salvation has come to this house because I know this man and if this, if this man is putting his money where his mouth is, he is, he's serious. He's serious about what he's doing. And so uh, that was, uh, that was a, um, the sincerity of his, con of his conversion. Let me just very quickly say this. Giving always produces a reward. And so what this is saying is you have, one, you have two choices. You can either give so that men will look at you and go, at a boy. Or you can give in such a way that God will reward you in the time that he sees fit. 
whether it's a check in the mail next month or a, a, a raise at work or a promotion or whether it's when you stand before his throne, it's up to him. I got a feeling the longer you wait, the better it gets. But that's up to him. Gross or net? <laughs> yeah, we can get rid of this one pretty quickly. And the, and the answer just simply is how much do you make? If you work 40 hours a week and you work at $10 an hour, you get $400. That's not what you take home, though, is it? I'd probably take home around 320 If somebody said, well, how much money do you make? Are you going to say, well, I make $10 an hour or I make $8 an hour? Well, you're going to say you make $10 an hour because that's what you made. So, of all that you give to me, I will give a tenth back to you. And in case you haven't figured that out yet, I would say gross. But once again, it's between you and God. Isn't tithing just an Old Testament thing? And when people say that, they usually are saying, isn't that the law? Isn't that un tithing is under the law. Uh, no, it isn't, actually, because tithing predates the law. Abraham and, and Jacob, the ones that we cited earlier about tithing, they, they lived 400 years before the law of Moses came along. Uh, they predate the law the way Shakespeare predates us. It's 400 years ago. And just because something isn't explicit in the New Testament doesn't necessarily mean it's passed away. The New Testament doesn't, doesn't explicitly say, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. But you know what? You shouldn't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Nobody would really argue about that. Jesus endorses the tithes. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint and rue and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter and not done the former. At least Arwen's paying attention. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. He didn't say you, tithing is not important anymore. He said you ought to, you ought to do that. As well, that's part of what you're supposed to do. Uh, I, I said the first mention of tithes was when Abraham was met, met by Melchizedek. Melchizedek is the priesthood of Christ. Psalm 110, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, not after the order of Aaron. He predated Aaron. And Abraham is the father of those who have faith what Romans 4 16 says so he's he's our father so the father of those who have faith encountered the priesthood of Christ and when Melchizedek came he brought bread and wine I don't know it might have been grape juice but it was fruit of the vine that's for sure it's what Kevin was telling us was the center point of what we do here in worship Melchizedek blessed Abraham which according to the writer of Hebrews meant he was greater than Abraham. And Abraham tithed. And it sounds like a Christian worship service. Because it was. They just didn't know what to call it at that point in time. Does SWAC contact me about my tithing? No. <laughs> we don't. Uh, the only time that I ever actually specifically go to look at someone's tithing record and talk to them about it is if they're being considered to be an elder or an administrative board member because quite frankly I don't want anybody on the administrative board making decisions about the money and how it's spent if they're not tithing and I don't think you should want them on there either and then also if somebody is, uh, is applying to enter into our uh, ordination program. Because I personally feel like tithing is very important for a pastor. Uh, if a pastor doesn't do it, he can't teach it. Some probably do. But that's a bad idea. What if I can't afford to tithe? My daddy would say you can't afford not to tithe. Jesus would say, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added to you. Just, just, just be obedient. Just do what he says first and this other stuff. And he was talking about material things that we need. He said, it'll be added to you 
as well. And then that, that what we read today, Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. Who doesn't want that? Why do I teach about tithing? I used to hold off on uh, teaching about stewardship because there was so much bad teaching about it and crying televangelists and stuff like that. But the cure for bad teaching isn't no teaching. The cure for bad teaching is good teaching. And People, this is good teaching. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> tithing has been a huge blessing in my life. And keeping it a secret would simply be wrong. And it, it was instilled in me by my parents. Sam was talking about our testimony. Aside from introducing me to Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I think teaching me to tithe was probably the greatest thing my parents ever did for me. Yeah. You get 10 cents, you put a penny in the plate. You get a dollar, you put 10 cents in the plate. You get a quarter, put three cents in the plate. I mean, you know, I always err on the roundup. That's how I was taught. That's what. And my parents... <clears throat> Uh, my parents got married in 1936, the height of the Depression. Some of you have heard of the Great Depression. My dad was 20, my mom was 16. Not necessarily a real good idea, but they lasted for 68 years, so it worked out for them. Uh, my mom graduated from high school at the age of 28, uh, which... Uh, it's often what happens when you get married at 16. It takes a little while for, for things to, to happen. I, I, I didn't really become aware of what, of the financial end of their lives at all until uh, the 50s uh, when we were in Millersville. And uh, my dad was pastoring in Millersville, made 30, $35 a week, uh, and they paid his phone bill. Uh, and he also... Uh, Obviously worked part-time other places. He, he was a butcher uh, in a grocery store, which uh, after reading Eugene Peterson's uh, book about the, the pastor, I've come to appreciate a whole lot more because I, didn't, I, I hadn't made that connection between the butcher and the priest in the Old Testament and the work that they did, but that was, that's pretty cool. Uh, but needless to say, butchers, part-time butchers in grocery stores didn't make a whole lot of money. He sold shoes in a shoe store. They didn't make a whole lot of money. Uh, 1956, my mom had taken enough college classes that even though she didn't have a certificate, she was able to start teaching the year that I started to school. Uh, and she started teaching in Sumner County, made $150 a month, which even in 1956 was not a whole lot of money. Uh, of course, now teachers are paid extravagantly in our country because we care so much about education. Actually, we pay our politicians extravagantly and we pay our teachers like, but anyway, I, I digress and that's not what this is about. Uh, I don't think my parents ever had a year in their lives that they made $30,000 together, ever. But I know this, everything they made, they tithed. Everything that came in, they tithed on. My dad uh, retired when he was 72. Uh, some of you, some of you knew him. Some of you re remember him. Uh, he retired really from here, from this church, and uh, wasn't making a whole lot more money at that point in time. They were probably putting in about as much as they were taking out. My parents never wanted for anything. They they lived. Uh, my dad lived 20 years after he retired. My, dad, my mom lived about that long after she retired. Uh, they, they ended up going to Africa a couple of times, uh, uh, Hawaii, Europe. They uh, um, ate well. I, it depends on what you mean by well. It was, they ate what they wanted. You know, fat back isn't something that people necessarily consider to be well, but others would consider it good eating. 
Uh, and my dad certainly did. Uh, you know, there would be times when i go, Dad, you need to get this, and you need to get that. Oh, I don't want that, don't need that. But, I mean, they had everything they wanted their entire lives, and they had a, they had a blessed retirement. They had a... They had a, a in fact, we, uh, we started giving him a little stipend here from the church. We, we got to a place where we could, we started giving him 100 bucks a week. And I remember him saying, can you boys really afford this? And I'm going, well, I, I think we can, Dad. We're going we're gonna to try and do it anyway. Uh, you know, and so he'd just take it and put it in savings. And give most of it back. See, I've learned that that's, that's somehow or another... That's the way that kind of life, a, a lifestyle of tithing. See, Margaret and I have, have had uh, lean times and, and fat times and up times and down times, but we've never had any times of fear. We've never had any times of going, oh man, what are we going to do now? And it's because we're not in charge of our money. We don't own our money. He does. I, I, I don't have a huge retirement account, and I'm not saying that because I'm kind of going, so you, got, you folks need to get me one. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not worried about it. I mean, the Lord's, I, I, the Lord's got things. He's got it. I mean, I can, I can see that out there somewhere on the horizon, and I can see how he's got it. My retirement fund, my IRA, my 401K uh, there has always been in what I've just faithfully given to him it's a wonderful way to live it's a it's a it's a freeing wonderful way to live and that's why I teach about tithing I, I want y'all to be able to enjoy it as well I'm out of time I'm not going to move on to talk about generosity we'll we'll get there next week because that there is a place even beyond tithing it's called generosity and boy is that an incredible fun place great place to live but here's the deal you can't serve two masters you can't serve god and money you have to make a choice and it's one of those areas of our lives where it's as clear-cut as it can possibly be one of them is a harsh taskmaster one of them is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Would you stand? I'm still smiling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, those who are going to pray with people, come, come forward. <coughs> you know, I, I appreciate the sacrifices that people make here at this church I appreciate the sacrifices that they make in giving I appreciate those who, who faithfully support this ministry and tithe I appreciate those who are at places in their lives where they're going man you know I'm, I'm so messed up right now I don't see how I can possibly do this but I can do this I appreciate that God appreciates it completely but I just want you to live in freedom. I want you to have freedom. And God wants you to be free in, in every area of your life. And if you got something that you need prayer for today, if there's something that's got you puzzled, if there's something that's got you bound, if there's something that's coming against you and attacking you, He's your defender. He's your healer. He's your provider. And these brothers and sisters are here to pray with you. Bring it before the throne of grace. So we're going to worship for a few moments. The altars are open. If you need prayer, you come. If you're here and you don't know Christ, you may go, well, yeah, this is really going to want me to get me to try and come to Christ. You're talking about money here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about what you really own. You don't own the stuff, but you've got a soul you can give to him. If you need to know Christ, you come. Let's worship for a few moments. We'll wait on
Psalm 16. That's where that's from. One of my favorites. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. The God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, from whom all blessings flow, from whom every good and perfect gift comes, may He empower you, give you wisdom and the faith be a faithful steward of all that he gives you. May you be found faithful in the small things. And may you be entrusted with much, with great things to his glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.